Man, y'all, y'all look good today. Y'all look good today. Bring it on. Who said that to me? Come on. Somebody over here. I like it. This section over here, y'all. Y'all ready? (laughs) Well, my name is Lynette. If I've not had the opportunity to meet you before, uh, I have the honor of being one of the founding pioneers of Northern Colorado Cowboy Church, and it is an honor to serve this community and to serve you and to be a family with you. So I'm blessed to have you in our house today. And when you come here, I want you to feel the same way that I would want you to feel if you came to my home. I would want you to come in. I would want you to make yourself at home and feel comfortable. And so you are safe here. Uh, if, if I had a great big picture of sweet tea, you would all have a glass right now. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to give you a quick update this morning. Uh, we just were in California and uh, with our family there at Kingdom Ranch Cowboy Church in Merced, California. Can we give them all a welcome? And uh, I say we as in Kirsty. Our worship leader and I were there. Kirsty wanted to go and felt like God had put it in her heart to go with me out to California. And let me tell you how cool God is. You you, you got time for a little story? All right. So uh, there's a gentleman out there, Philip, who usually has... um, Music, they are worshipers. They are worshiping people. I love worshiping with Kingdom Ranch. And Philip always has the music ready and they worship with a YouTube video and they project it onto the wall and they sing. And here's what you need to know about Kingdom Ranch is Philip turns that music up pretty loud. I like it loud. You can't get it too loud for me because I sound the louder it is, the better I sound. Anybody else with me? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Philip turns it up loud, but let me tell you what. Those people, you people of Kingdom Ranch, sing over. I can hear their voices over. I'm standing right in front of the speaker where I am. I can hear their voices over the sound system. They are worshiping people. Well, we get to church. Church starts at 10 o'clock, and we pull into the parking lot about 9.30, and we get a phone call from Philip. He's out of town, and he had somebody else that was coming to run everything that morning. And uh, this individual was sick, and they could not be at church. It's 30 minutes before church starts, y'all. And Kersey says, I'll help do whatever. I can, I can try and help run the iPad. I can figure the sound system out. I mean, she was just jumping in to help, you know, offering, what can I do? What can I do to help? And... I said, do you want to, do you want to do worship? Now she had said, do you want me to bring my guitar? And we had decided that it would be best for her just come out and just, uh, just see how things go and just be in the flow of everything there and get to meet everybody. Cause this is her first time there. She's never met any of these people before. Well, Bill was drinking his coffee and he says, do you want me to run back to the house and get a guitar? And we said, sure. Now, I don't know where Bill had to go digging for this guitar. Bill left and went back to the house, got a guitar that I don't know when the last time it was played. (laughs) Is it about 20 years, he said? Yeah, yeah. Well, Bill comes back with the guitar 
at about five to 10. And Debbie opens up, does the announcements, and Kersey takes that guitar and goes into a back room with her phone with a tuner on it and tunes this guitar that hasn't been played. Did you have to dust it off first? <laughs> she stood up there and she did worship for us in front of people. We had no words. We had nothing but Kirsty and her guitar. And that, to me, is the definition of being ready in season and out. The scripture tells us to be ready in season and out. So I, I uh, am thankful to be surrounded by people who are ready in season and out. And she did an amazing job, y'all. She did a good job, didn't she? Yes, yes, she did. Well, are y'all ready to jump in this morning? I feel as I have not been here with you in quite some time, and I haven't. Uh, Darren and I went to a conference called Voice of the Apostles down in Up. Ohio is up, right? up. Yeah. I was not good at geography. So anyway, we went up to Columbus, Ohio to go to a meeting called uh, Voice of the Apostles. And it was a week long uh, meeting. And there were what, two or 3000 people there, you think? So at least he says. So it was, it was awesome thing to be in this auditorium with people from all over the place from all different backgrounds. And we met some of the kindest, neatest people. You have an opportunity in an environment like that to see things you've never seen before. And some of them are like, wow. Here's what I've learned though. Some of the things that I watch and some of the things that I see, I look at it and I think, huh. I don't understand that, but here, here is my careful, careful observation is I don't judge it. Because there's some of the stuff that those people were doing that I thought, Lord Jesus, I hope you never move through me like that. (laughs) And let me tell you what, you go to judging stuff and judging other people for the way that they are moving or feeling moved by the spirit of God. And here's what I told God, Lord, I'll not judge it because I don't want you to do that through me. But you know what? I've yielded and I've said to him, if that's what you want me to do and if that's what it takes to bring you glory, you do whatever you want through me. So I'm giving you that in advance. So whatever we do, God's going to get the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if you would like to go with me over to 1 Samuel, that's where we're going to start out today. My message for you today is called uh, Stewarding the Exchange. Look at your neighbor and say, Steward the Exchange. In uh, 1 Samuel, it's in the Old Testament, toward the beginning of the Old Testament. If you get to Psalms and Proverbs, you've gone too far. You need to go back to the left just a little bit. 1 Samuel is right before 2 Samuel. So 1 Samuel, we start out in the beginning of 1 Samuel, and we're reading about a man named Elkanah, and he had two wives. Can you look at your wife now and say, praise the Lord, there's only one of you. He had two wives, one's named Panina, and another's name was Hannah. Now, Panina was very uh, prolific. Panina produced children with no problem. But Hannah was not able at that time to have children. And what, was, what is written in the scripture is that her womb was closed. And it was something that was uh, deeply, deeply troubling to her. And to make matters worse, Panina, who was greatly prolific, 
would torment her and she would pick at her and she would tease her about not having any children. But her husband, uh, Hannah's husband, Elkanah, loved Hannah very much, even though she could not give him children. And Hannah would weep and she would cry. And at one point she went to the house of the Lord and she was praying at the house of the Lord and asking God to change her barrenness and to give her a child. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 11, we catch up here and it says, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Hannah committed to steward the exchange. She made a commitment here. She says, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall ever touch his head. What she's doing here is before she even receives the answer to her prayer, before anything would ever appear that God was going to do anything at all, she commits to give back to God what she is asking for before she ever receives it. She says, God, if you would give me a son, I will steward him and I will give him back to you because you are God. And when she says that no razor will touch his head, what that is saying is that was part of a Nazarite vow that said that those that that were set apart, that were consecrated to God, that they did not shave their heads. So what she's saying is this son, before you ever give him to me, I will set him apart and I will consecrate him to you. She was ready to steward the exchange. The stewardship of exchange. That is the phrase that I heard from the Lord. Steward the exchange. So I said, all right, God, what does that mean? What What are you speaking to us through that? And here's the definition that he gave me. Stewardship of exchange is godly management of what has been entrusted to your care as a result of releasing something to receive the greater in return. Hannah was willing to release her barrenness to God to receive a son in return. Hannah committed to steward the exchange before the exchange ever came to her. Again, it is godly management of what has been entrusted to your care as a result of releasing something to receive the greater in return. Y'all are so quiet this morning. One more time. The stewardship of exchange. It is godly management of what has been entrusted to your care as a result of releasing something to receive the greater in exchange. So you have to be willing to let go of something in order to receive something greater. Hannah was willing to pray and in her prayer have faith to release her barrenness to God to receive a child in exchange. 
She was willing to let go of what the circumstance and the situation, what her body was telling her, what other people were telling her, what had been and all she knew all her life. She was willing to let that go in order to receive the exchange from God. But she made a commitment before the exchange ever happened. As the prayer is coming out of her mouth, she made the godly commitment to manage the exchange before she ever got it. What do we need to exchange this morning? I want you to put that in your pocket. What do we need to exchange this morning? Because see, our commitment to steward the exchange creates opportunity for God. Hannah's commitment to steward what God would release to her created an opportunity for God because, get this, because Hannah needed a son from God, but God needed a prophet in the earth. Hannah's prayer created an opportunity for God to release what he was needing in the earth to Hannah because what Hannah needed from God, she could not get any other place. So she went to God to get her need met. God knew that he could trust Hannah to meet his need in the earth. Hannah's son would be named Samuel. As she prayed, God heard her prayer and knew because of the commitment to steward the exchange, he knew here is a woman that I can release my prophet into the earth through because she's already committed to manage in a godly way what I release to her from the heavenly realm. And what I release from the heavenly realm is what I need in the earthly realm. And Hannah created an opportunity through the commitment to steward the exchange. What can we exchange this morning? See, our prayers to God create opportunities for God to release his promise into the earth. And I want us to think about the prayers that we're praying this morning. And if the prayers that we are praying are prayers that could be answered by an earthly resource or by another person, we are not praying prayers that are creating opportunities for God. We are simply rattling to hear ourselves talk. And God is not impressed with our Elizabethan English. And God is not impressed with the rhetoric. And he is not impressed with prayers that we pray out of vain repetition. God hears the prayers of those that are creating opportunities for heaven to release what God needs on the earth. But those are prayers that are bold. Those are prayers that make no sense to the earthly reason. And they are prayers that do not logically line up with the mind. Because see, Hannah's experience had been that she had had no children. Over and over and over and over again. But she prayed, committing to steward the exchange. See, her son, who would be named Samuel, was given to her and she birthed him. And when she birthed him, she kept him with her, it says, until the age that he was weaned. 
Now, in that time that she kept Samuel with her, she knew the entire time that she was going to be taking him and giving him back to God. But here's here's what we need to see, is that Samuel was released to Hannah, and when God released Samuel to Hannah, he needed a prophet in the earth. Samuel was a prophet. So Samuel is not just to be a prophet in that time, but what God is doing is he is giving us a picture and he is showing us Samuel is a type and a shadow to show us that every time our prayers create an opportunity for heaven and we commit to steward the exchange, what he's showing us through Samuel, who was a prophet who literally declared and spoke the word of God, God's heart to the earth. What God is saying is that my prophet was a picture of what I do every time I release a provision from heaven is it prophesies of my nature. It prophesies of heaven. It prophesies of my promise. It speaks forward of what I did. I will do again and again and again. Samuel was a prophet. When God releases his promise from heaven, he is releasing a picture of his character and his nature. What is released is a picture and a like of the one who released it. See, God cannot release what he does not have. And you hear people say, well, God gave me this disease or this sickness to teach me something. God put this on me so that I would learn. God gave me this so that I would be humble. That's the biggest boat of crap. God, if God doesn't have it to give, it's not from him. The scripture says to us in James... 117, it says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What he's saying, what he's saying there is, I want you to think about this. There are no shadows in heaven. Why? Because there is no darkness anywhere. There's no shadow with him. So if, if, if God is not even willing to allow a shadow created by light, because in that shadow there exists an element of darkness, who could imagine that in that case that God would allow anything that would have any darkness in it at all to come from him? People do not understand the goodness of God. There's a, there's, people say things all the time, and it's because they don't know. I remember, you guys may have heard me tell this before, but I remember being in a Bible study. And it was in a, a gentleman's house that was very influential and prominent in the community. And there were probably three or four other uh, people there who thought themselves to be quite mature in the word. And then there were probably eight 
baby, what I would call baby Christians. They were people who were just learning about God, were just getting saved. They didn't know where things were in their Bible. And the conversation came up about God using cancer, that he gives cancer to people to teach them things. And I sat there and I listened and I was asking the Lord, because I'm in somebody else's house. And I asked the Lord, Lord, give me wisdom. And I began to speak then. And I, and I said, I respectfully disagree. And I began to explain to them why. And the most important, these people who were bound and determined to believe that about God and claimed to be mature, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but you cannot feed babies garbage. Amen. You will poison them. And that was my concern. And they were so insistent that my God would do that. And I got really upset. And when I got in my car and left that night, I cried all the way home because all I could think was these babies think that my God, who is so good, would give someone something as horrific as cancer to teach them. And I got home and Darren saw that I had been crying and he said, are you, what happened? Are you okay? And I told him what happened. And he said, I don't think you need to go to that Bible study anymore. (laughs) But see, one of the gentlemen, I remember him telling me one time, he stood in front of me and quite, quite proudly, he said, well, I've read through the whole Bible three times. I read through it every year. I said, well, then you need to read through it again. Because you're not, you're not reading the Bible to get to know God. You're reading it to say that you read through it. That's not it. That, what do you say? That ain't it, chief? That ain't it, chief. The purpose of reading your Bible is to learn the character and the nature of our heavenly father. This is your family history book. This is like looking through a family photo album and seeing the likenesses, seeing the pictures of the people who were born and went before you and to learn your lineage. That's what this Bible is. It is for you to look in these pages and to see yourself in the story. It is not uh, stories of a fictional made-up book that we read to our children at bedtime. This is a story of our history. And when we talk about the people in the Bible, we're not talking about people who are caricatures and cartoons. We're talking about people that actually lived, human flesh that actually lived and walked this earth and that God moved through mightily and what he did through them prophesies of what he will do through us if we steward the exchange. Because what is released speaks of the character and the nature of the one who released it. The answer to your prayer will prophesy God's nature. So I want you to ask yourself right now, am I praying prayers that are creating opportunities for God's character and nature to be released into the earth? Am I praying prayers that are big enough that open an opportunity for God to move through? And if our prayers are this big, This is how much of the nature of God comes through. If our prayer is, God, help me get groceries this week, that's a good prayer. 
I've been there. But when you begin to pray, I am blessed to be a blessing. God, give me enough to meet my needs and to help meet the needs of somebody else. That is a prayer that is an opportunity for the character and the nature of God to move through. We take the walls off. We take the limits off. We take the restrictions off. It's not a prayer that our mind can come up with. It is a prayer that is birthed through the spirit of God on the inside of you. That allows the character and the nature of God to move because who he is, this is, these are the names of God. Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord, our provider, who needs provision. That is the nature of God. Jehovah Rapha, Lord, our healer. Jehovah Rohi, Lord, our shepherd. Jehovah Shalom, Lord, our peace. And Jehovah Sitkanu, Lord, our righteousness. There are more and I could go on, but do we not need to see God's character and nature in the earth as provider, as healer, as the shepherd, as peace and as righteousness? Because it says in the scripture that in the last days they will call good evil and evil good. Do we not need the release of the righteousness of God in the earth? How is it going to happen? But through the prayers of those who have committed to steward the exchange, creating big opportunities for a big God to move through. He wants to move in ways that we have not yet seen. It's not all done. You know that? It's not all done. And you know what? Something else is just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that God can't do it. Because God is bigger than your experience. Because I don't know how old the oldest person in here is, but let me tell you what. God's older. You have this much time for experience. God has had all of eternity. Our lives are so small. I heard, I heard, this just came to me. Is that a rabbit? Okay, shoot it. Okay, so I learned that at VOA. Our lives are so small in comparison to the eternal time and the eternal God that we would never on the outside say, well, if God hasn't done it in my span of life, that it simply cannot happen. We would not be so arrogant and foolish to declare that outside to anyone else. Therefore, you are only known by the stupidity of your speaking. So we would keep that inside. However, in our minds, what we do is we think I've not seen God do this. So I don't know if it can be done and I've not ever felt it. I've not ever experienced it. I've not ever seen it. So I don't know if I should pray that. But God. But God. We've got to get the mindset that God is not held. We've got to move from the logic of our mind to the size of the Holy Spirit that lives and moves and breathes on the inside of us. And when we begin to partner not with our minds in prayer, but partner with the Spirit of God on the inside of us in prayer, that is when we create big opportunities and we will see God move in ways that we have never experienced before Amen. 
before we went to Voice of the Apostles, can I just, can I, I'm just going to be really honest with y'all. I would sit right here on the front row. And there were times in probably the last four months or so that I sit here on the front row. Now, y'all, I'm the pastor's wife. There's a lot of expectation of what a pastor's wife is supposed to be like. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I remember tra- when we were traveling and going places and we would go somewhere to minister, there weren't nobody to do music for Darren because, like I said, the louder the music, the better I sound. And I remember people asking me, well, do you do the worship at your church? Nope. <laughs> oh, well, you must be the secretary. Not good at that either. Well, you must minister to the babies. Bring me a puppy. I want to hold your puppy, your baby. I'm afraid I'm going to break it. I held my babies. If I break my baby, that's my problem. If I break your baby, we're both going to feel bad. I sit here on the front row. And I just felt... This on the inside of me, Lord, what are you wanting to do? Because I'm not satisfied anymore. I'm not satisfied with where we're at as a church. I'm not satisfied with, with what we're experiencing. I'm not satisfied with, I'm not satisfied anymore, God. I want more. I want more for my church family. I want people to walk in the doors and be knocked to the floor with the love of God. I want people to come in here broken. I want them to be overwhelmed with the feeling and the experience of wholeness. For them to experience peace of mind for the first time. I want people who have never had a reason to hope to meet the God of hope. God, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied that there's people in our church that are sick. I'm not satisfied that there's people in our church that have need or that people are losing their jobs or that they can't afford something. I'm not satisfied, God. I want more. I want more. And I want the more to prophesy of who you are, God. I want it to speak I want it to sound. I want it to feel. I want it to resonate heaven. That when people come in here, they smell heaven. 
the people will be driving down the street and they'll look over and think the building is on fire because they see smoke and flames coming out. And there's not really a physical fire burning, but it's a spiritual fire that draws people in because when people come into the fire, everything that tries to hold them back and everything that has held them down and everything that they told was impossible burns off and they're set free to walk in the destiny and the purpose that you've called them for, God. I'm not satisfied. And when I went to VOA, it was wild. I'd love for y'all to experience it. I mean, it's wild. I sat, we, you know, there's so many people in there. I sit in the back, of course, because we're not the Christians that pray and praise Jesus and then knock someone down to get to the front row, which there's some of those there. But sitting in the back, man, I'm watching people. That Y'all want to know why I sit on the front row? It's not because I'm pastor's wife. It's because I'm easily distracted. <laughs> I'm looking at your hair. I'm like, Did she get her hair done? It looks so good. Oh, my gosh, those are such cute shoes. I am easily distracted. That's why not being a Baptist anymore is really good for me because I was a back row Baptist girl, and I was distracted by everything. I started going with this spirit filled on fire for God, man. And he takes me to his church for the very first time. And we keep going and going and going all the way to the front. And he sits in the very second row on the end. I want to be in the front row because I don't want to be distracted from anything that God has for me. And I want more. I'm telling y'all, something changed for me when we were at that meeting. And I'm not really sure how it's all going to come out, and I'm not really sure what it's going to look like as it does. But I committed to God. Lord, you use me however you want to. And I don't care if it embarrasses my flesh, and I don't care if it makes people uncomfortable. If it's you, God, I want it. I'm not going to carry the fear of man. And I'm not going to be held back by what other people think that I should and shouldn't look like. Hey, I'm not for everyone. You have to love me. You might not like me, but you do have to love me. (laughs) What would it be like If we just decided, you know what, God, I'm willing to steward the exchange. Whatever, whatever you want to do through me. I'm willing to exchange my dignity. Man, Hannah had no dignity when she laid on the steps. The Bible tells us that she laid weeping to the point to where Eli came out. The priest came out and accused her of being drunk. No dignity. She wanted the exchange. What would it look like if we were willing to exchange whatever the deepest, darkest heartache that you've had? What was that thing that happened in your life that marked you forever? What if you were willing to exchange that for what God wants to do through that moment in your life? 
Well, see, here's what we have to remember about the stewardship of exchange is it's not about me. It's not about you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's not about you. The moments of life that we walk through that are the most difficult moments, those times where we are challenged, those times where we think we might break, those times where we would rather just curl up and close the world off and not be around people, not move, not move out of that place because it hurts so deep and the pain is so real and it's so heavy. It's that place right there that God will speak to us and say, are you willing to exchange it for what I have for you. And if you will remember that that moment, that that season, that that event, that what you're going through isn't about you, but it's about releasing the potential of heaven into the earth, you will get the exchange. Because see, here's what, here's what Hannah prayed. When she takes her son, Samuel, when he's of age and she takes him to the house of the Lord to give him to Eli and to leave her son, the one that she's prayed for, to leave him there, she says this. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27, she says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. See this phrase, uh, the Lord has granted me my petition. That phrase in the Hebrew is not just about giving. It's not a picture of giving, but it's actually causing to receive and exchange. So he, she says, Lord, you have granted me, you have caused me to receive this child and exchanged with me. What does that mean? Not just giving, it's not just giving, but it's causing to receive. I was telling Darren this and he said, it's simple. Well, last night in my house, uh, OU and Texas Tech were playing football. And for anyone that knows, Darren is an OU fan, and I went to Texas Tech. Therefore, we shall need prayer today. Football. Everybody's familiar with football. In football, there are entire plays. The whole purpose of the offense is for every player to be strategically placed on the field and each player has a specific job to do in order that the quarterback would get the ball to the receiver. Now the quarterback doesn't just have the ball and just give the ball to anybody in the same colored jersey, right? That's not how that goes. Now, when you're five and playing backyard ball, that's how it goes. But see, God is not playing backyard ball. God is playing pro. So the same way that an entire play, an entire field is set up and moves in a strategic way, in a rehearsed and disciplined fashion so that the ball is 
given is thrown, is placed in the intended receiver's hands for the purpose of moving the entire team down the field for the point of scoring a goal. Now, when a goal is scored by the receiver, does, do they put that receiver's name up and say points for Jones? No, the whole team scores. That's a, that's a touchdown for the whole team. It's the same way when God intends to give intense reception by one of his chosen children. Everyone in here is a chosen child. So what is released from heaven goes to the intended receiver for the purpose of moving the entire body of Christ down the field for the point of scoring a goal. And we continue to move and we continue to move and we all move in strategic ways. Every single one of us having a specific purpose and a specific position that God has divinely placed us in knowing our strengths. See, they don't put the biggest guy on the team out there to run with the ball because he's probably not the fastest. He positions us and places us where our strengths and our gifts are going to be most leveraged. The same way that a coach does with a football team to get the ball to the intended receiver. Because God is moving us. We're not staying in one place. God is moving us. And there's places in all of our lives that we feel disqualified. There's places in all of our lives where we feel like we're not, we're not good enough to even be on the field. There's places where we feel like, I don't know if I can be in this game. But see, the Bible also says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, and he said to me, my grace, this is Paul writing. He says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, his strength, his power, and his miraculous work is made perfect in the areas of our weakness. So those areas of weakness, those areas, and that word weakness means to be uh, frail in soul and frail and in the flesh. So those places in your mind, will, and emotions that are not strong, those places in our flesh that are not strong, God says, I've come to pour out my miraculous power in those places that you're not strong. So could it be that those places in your life that feel like you are frail, that feel those experiences that felt like they might break you, those experiences that felt like it might just be too much to handle, that it's actually something that God will take and use as an opportunity to pour out his power and his miracle provision from heaven if we are willing to recognize this situation, this trial, this moment, this 
season isn't about me, but it's about a bigger plan. It's about the whole team moving down the field. It's about all of us gathering together so that each one's strength is magnified. And as we come together, the power of God is poured out and each one of us benefits from the other one stewarding the exchange because what God pours out in them is for every single one of us and the strength that you have is the strength that I need and the trial that you're going through is one that this one over here just went through and has the power of God to pour into your situation because they have stewarded the exchange and they have prayed prayers that create opportunities for heaven for God to pour out that his glory would be experienced in the earth. I am not satisfied with church as usual anymore. I don't want to come in and just get a cup of coffee and come sit in the seat that I always sit in, sing three songs, hear a sermon, and go home and talk about, well, I don't know what this week is going to be like. I don't know what's going to change. I don't know what's different. I want to come in with an expectation of experiencing the glory of God every time. Every time I want to see the power of God poured out, I want to experience the kingdom of heaven. And for us to do that, we're going to have to recognize that it's not about me. Coming to church, you know what? It's not about you. You come here to get equipped. You come here to learn. But if you're coming here just for you, You are missing a huge opportunity. God wants to do something through you. But if your whole mind in coming here is it's about you, you are missing a huge opportunity. Therefore, I am missing a huge opportunity. Because I need what God wants to release through you. The prayer that you're praying right now, as we've been talking, and if you haven't, if you don't have a prayer in your heart right now, that is a prayer that creates an opportunity for heaven to fit through. I'm going to give you a moment right now. Maybe you, maybe you know what that prayer is, but if you don't, what is the prayer that you're praying? And what is the thing that you've been asking of God? Make it bigger. Right now, just settle in with yourself. You need to close your eyes so you're not focused on the person's hat in front of you, whatever that is. If you want to come to the front, I want you right now to think about what is the prayer that I am praying right now. Maybe you got a list. What is the need? What is the prayer? And now, let it be bigger. Take the limits off. Ask God right now, Lord, what is the opportunity that you're looking for? What are you wanting to release in the earth that will prophesy of your character and your nature over and over and over again? What is it that you want to release that will speak of you as God, the provider, that will speak of you as Lord, our healer, that will speak of you as Lord, our shepherd, that will speak of you as Lord, our peace, that will speak of you as Lord, our righteousness. If your prayer 
is not encompassing that, make it bigger. Let God take the limits off of what you are thinking is possible. I don't care how old you are. If there's people right now that you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't know if I've aged out. There is no aging out. If you are still here, you are part of the team. And you are a necessary part of moving the ball down the field and causing reception. If you're in here and you think, I'm too young. I don't know that my voice matters because I don't have experience. I don't know that people will give uh, weight to what I have to say because I'm young. Let me tell you something. We need the fire of your youth. We need the zeal that comes from your young age. We need to see you dancing before the Lord. We need to see you worshiping before the Lord. We need to see you prophesying. And our ears are open to what God will speak through you. I'm waiting. I am not satisfied. So I want you to ask God right now, what does it look like when this comes to pass, God? The way that Hannah said, when you give it to me, I'll bring it back to the house of the Lord. I will bring Samuel back to the house of the Lord to give him to you, God, to serve you all the days of your life. When this breakthrough happens that you are praying for, perhaps the battle that you are in is so difficult because the breakthrough that you are praying for will change life as we know it. Perhaps the prayer that you are praying and the battle that you are in is not just for you because it's not about you. It's about a much bigger kingdom. What is it that God is wanting to do through you? And when that breakthrough comes, how will you steward it? What will it look like? How can you partner with what God is doing to release the character and the nature of God into your family, into your neighborhood, into your school, into your workplace, into your church, into your town, into your uh, county, into your city, into our country? Maybe there's breakthrough that's waiting on the inside of people in here right now that you have an idea that you have a breakthrough that's on the inside of you that will change an industry. Maybe there's breakthrough on the inside of you that is going to change family lineage for everyone that will come after you, that the breakthrough that will come through you will change literally generations. Ask God right now when this comes... God, when you release this exchange to me, I'm giving you what I thought was impossible. I'm giving you my circumstance. I'm giving you the situation. And I am receiving the exchange. God, how do you want me to steward it when it comes? And if you begin to ask him that, you're partnering with the wisdom and the mindset of the kingdom of God realm. And when you begin to link your thoughts, when you begin to link your mind with the kingdom of God realm, the restrictions come off and God knows that he has found one that is faithful. And when he knows he's found one that's faithful, the exchange is right there. It's right there.
So what are you going to do with it when it comes? You need to start making a plan with God, spending time with him, saying, God, when this takes place, how do you want me to steward this? What do you want this to look like? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for all that you want to do, that your desire is to do through us. And maybe God is just asking for a deeper yieldedness right now. Maybe he's asking for for us to just say yes. Maybe you know what the exchange is and God is just waiting for your yes. Because it's going to shake things up a little bit. Just say yes. That very first yes is a yes to giving him everything saying, God, I give you my life. I give you everything. I give you the good, bad, and the ugly about me. And I give it all to you. God, take this and use it for whatever you want to use it for. Because you take all things and you waste nothing. And you will use everything that I've been through, the darkest places that I've been, and the very best of me. You use it for your purpose. And that is giving your life to God. It is saying yes to Jesus and saying, I will follow you anywhere you go. And it's turning from going your way and it's turning to go God's way. It's not only saying, Jesus, come into my heart, but it's walking through Jesus's heart to the Father. Jesus's heart is wide open. And it's walking into his heart. That's the first exchange. That is the great exchange. Is it's trading our little life and what was broken and what seemed to have no purpose, exchanging that to steward the identity as being a child of God. And when we become a child of God, everything changes. Now we ask him, God, what do you want to do through me? What is the bigger prayer that you want me to pray? What is creating an opportunity for you to move in the realm that I'm in? What do you want to do through me, God? I'm saying, I'm not satisfied with the normal anymore. I want the more. I want the more, God, use me. Use me for the more. I will manage in a godly way everything that you pour out to me. That it will speak of your goodness, that it will speak of your love, that it will prophesy of the goodness of God throughout all of the earth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. If, when I am saying this, if you are sitting there and you're like, I don't even know what the flip to pray then I'm giving you a homework assignment. And your homework assignment is when you leave here today, you keep that question in front of you, that it doesn't stay here. That question stays in front of you. God, what do you want me to pray that creates an opportunity for heaven to move through? And when God gives you that prayer, when God shows you that thing, then you say, okay, God, how do you want me to steward that when it comes? Because if you pray it, pray it with expectation of the answer being released to the intended receiver and 
what are you to do with it? How does God want you to run with that? Amen? Amen. Kelsey.